Good morning. All right, I want to thank uh, Dr. Mike for opening us up in prayer earlier. Thank you for doing that. Um, I just wanted to open us up real, real quickly this morning, um, and and go through through a couple of things. Um, one, I, I had the opportunity to meet uh, last week with Les Randall from Bereans, and we were talking about the work that we we're going to be uh, kind of doing uh, together with Bereans and foundations, and. Uh, he was talking about how, how important it is to make sure that we're connected as a church and that, uh, that we're fostering connections between Sunday school classes, we're fostering connections uh, between men and uh, men of the church and, and just uh, coming together as one. And um, I had reminded him that that's, that's what we're trying to do here. You know, one of the things, uh, and, and another great breakfast this morning, I'm really grateful for that. The breakfast is wonderful. I can't wait to hear the encouraging, inspiring message. But another essential element in the purpose of why we're here is to connect with one another. Um, connect certainly with the friends that we know, but also to connect with the friends that maybe we're not as familiar with. And so there's a couple of things that we do. And, and um, one of the things I want to encourage you, I'm going to challenge you next month. Okay? We've got some regular table seating places that people sit. <laughs> <laughs> Would you sit at a different table next month and have breakfast with somebody you don't know? Mike, you sat with us this morning. Hey, Thanks for having breakfast. Good over here. Yeah, yeah. Um, you missed Yeah. <laughs> and that and that's fantastic, and certainly I understand. Um, but one of the, one of, one of the things that we really want to do is we want to uh, we want to pull the men of this church together. Um, and I just think that that's an, impo- an important element, and hopefully hopefully you'll find that to be a blessing uh, next month. And with that, I, I want to read a read a scripture, and it's uh, John 17, verse 20. It starts verse 20. And this is Jesus praying for all the believers from the NIV. It says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray, for also, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. So I hopefully uh, this ministry is one one way that we can come together in that in that spirit of unity. So, well... Very excited to have Mike uh, speak with us this morning. This is a perfect example of getting to know one another. I certainly have uh, met Mike um, several times over the years at the church, but frankly don't know him, know him that well. Um, I've, I've heard a lot of great things for, for, about him and uh, certainly know he has a, uh, a passion um, a passion for missions, and I'm, I'm sure that will be, be a part of what he talks about today. Um, I do know that he's in the finance business. Um, but he is the funniest uh, speaker we've had yet in terms of giving me a hard time along the way in terms of trying to get him scheduled and, and prepared for this. So, um, Mike, I appreciate you leading us this morning, and um, I pray that the Holy Spirit be with you and that he speaks to each one of us uh, uh, through you this morning. So thank you for your leadership. Thank you, too. Thank you. Good morning. Glad to be here. Um it's tough following Mike Miller, right? Spiritual warrior, served our country. In fact, Jay Litton 
was supposed to speak today. <laughs> and then he heard, you know, and then realized that he was following Mike Miller, and all of a sudden he had a little throat thing, couldn't speak. Where'd Jay go? It's bad form to show up on the day that you bailed. <laughs> he was just here having breakfast. Yeah, so, um, so I guess I drew the short, short straw. I get to go after Mike Miller. Um, uh, I'm Mike Peachy. I had a, a bad dream a week ago, right this time. I woke up, and it was 7.05, and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I was supposed to speak at church today. <laughs> and I'm like scrambling, search for my phone. I pick it up, look at the calendar. Oh, that's right, we moved it. Apparently if I would have got here, I would have had Byron Knight, a one-on-one with Byron Knight. So, uh, um, but today, today is 9-11. Um, and you think about where you were 15 years ago, uh, today. Uh, I was actually on a plane to Chicago, uh, at this time. And I remember we landed, call it 9-30, uh, in Chicago. And, uh, the guy next to me turns on his cell phone. As we're taxiing and it just blows up, you know, bing, 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 bing. And he calls the office and his secretary's like, where are you today? I know you're flying. He goes, yeah, I'm, I'm, I just landed in Chicago. She says, oh, you won't believe what's happening in New York. Um, and still remember walking off the plane and just finding the first TV and the, I think the second plane had just hit the, that tower. And, uh, uh, my wife was nine months pregnant at the time with Colby and, uh, I get stranded in Chicago. Remember, Airport's closed for how long? Ten days. And uh, I remember the CEO of our company called my wife and said, "Look, sorry, Mike's struck out of town. I know you're in a bad spot with two young kids and pregnant with your third. If you need anything while he's away, please call me. We'll be there to take your kids, to help you out, whatever you need." Uh, great gesture. Uh, I'm part of that CEO. And and uh, you know, one one thing I want to talk about the theme today is about. Each and every one of us has that chance to make a difference in someone's life, to make a, a and you may not even know it, and I'm going to kind of walk through some of the people that have made a difference in my spiritual journey, and at the time, they may not have realized, hey, they're making a big impact, but they can, and you can as well. So, um, a little bit about myself, uh, I'm going to turn 48 years old this fall, uh, I'm a CPA by trade, uh, uh, have been uh Married to Amanda for 24 years. Uh, we've got four kids, um, two in college, one at uh, Ole Miss. Where's my friend John? One at Ole Miss. And uh, uh, <laughs> and one at Miami of Ohio. And then we've got two that are essentially in middle school. So we've got kind of two ways of, of kids. Um, same wife, just uh, that eight-year gap. I like to call my golf and softball years. You know, apparently if you're playing golf a lot and softball a lot, there's no loving at home. So I finally, finally, finally sunk in. And, uh, the, uh, but, um, I've had kind of a non-traditional career. Uh, I've been CFO for uh, three different companies over the last eight years, but I've actually worked for 11 companies in 25 years. Sometimes it's been my choice to leave them. Sometimes it's been their choice to leave me. Um, but for my dad, who worked 35 years for the federal government, and my father-in-law, who worked 35 years for uh, Eli Lilly and Company, you know, I'm really quite quite the job hopper. Um, like Tim, like Alan Kennedy, like a number of people probably in this room, I was raised Catholic. Um, I don't have the accent like Alan Kennedy did, any of those great Irish accents. But uh, uh, my mom was Irish. My dad's side of the family is Italian, so we had these strong Catholic ties. Um and for my dad, it was all about finding the shortest mass possible. He wanted to be efficient on that Saturday night or that Sunday morning. One year on vacation, we went on vacation. We found this place that had a 30-minute uh, mass from soup to nuts or soup to communion, you know, in and out the door. 
He still talks about that place, Odin, Indiana. I really thought we were going to move to Odin, Indiana because they had the 30-minute service. My mom was more militant, a uh, militant Catholic, if there's such a thing. Uh, one time I was a senior in high school, and my buddy, who uh, is Southern Baptist, was over playing at our house. And uh, Saturday night, my mom's like, hey, we're all going to church. I'm like, oh, I'm going to invite Robert uh, to come. And so uh, my buddy and I are sitting in pew, and the ushers ask if, we would bring up the gifts in the Catholic Mass. So there's a presentation of the wine, the water, the the host. And um, uh, so my mom was unaware of this. We get up, we take the gifts up, and my mom's giving me the dirtiest look as they're coming back to the pew. And so after church, she's like, that was totally wrong, Robert, you and Robert taking the gifts up. And I'm like, well, the usher asked us. We're trying to be helpful, Mom. She goes, well, he's not Catholic. He shouldn't be doing that. I'm like... We just try to be helpful. She goes, he's going to go to hell. <laughs> I go, go to hell? He's going to Baylor. <laughs> he's going to be in Waco, Texas. <laughs> so, you know, as a, as a Catholic, I couldn't understand, you know, I'd struggled intellectually with the, you know, having to go to Mary to get to Jesus to get to God. And so I, I struggled with that, but I was a dutiful uh, Catholic. And um, like many, when I went off to college, um, you know, I started to, to you know, neglect my faith. I was not attended to worship. And uh, uh, sophomore year, I was struggling. Bad grades. And uh, kind of had an incident that caused me to, to turn uh, turn my life over to the Lord. Um, my girlfriend at the time uh, had me and my college buddies arrested for a prank we'd done. And uh, so, yeah, <laughs> Kenny Trigg knows the whole story. Um, needless to say, I guess the punchline is that I got the ultimate revenge. I married that girl, and I make her life a living hell each and every day. So, but in the small world part of it all, my wife went to college and was a sorority sister to Larry Hunt's daughter. So, Larry, I just want you to know your your daughter didn't have anything to do with me getting thrown in jail. So, Emily's free and clear that day. Um, but coming out of school, I, I started attending um, Catholic services. I was going by myself. Um, my wife was raised Methodist and Lutheran, and she really didn't have an appreciation for what she would call the calisthenics of Catholicism. You know, the stand-up, sit-down, kneel, repeat, sit-down, stand-up. So I was going to, down the road to St. Anne's. Uh, great music there. Ed Boldak, amazing. Um, and I started to take our two younger kids with me. Um, my two older kids, they were young at the time. And uh, I think a man started to realize, okay, they're getting a little bit brainwashed. And so I said, look, honey, you know, this is around early 2000. I said, you're right. We should be worshiping as a family. Why don't you go find something that we can all agree on? We've been married in the Methodist church. Um, and so Amanda came down here to Jesus Junction. She went to the Baptist church, the Presbyterian church, and RUMC. And uh, she liked RUMC the best. And so I said, okay, let's, so we went. And uh, uh, so this is March of 2000. Malone Dodson was the minister. And I get here, and Malone's here. And wow, he's awesome, right? Fire and brimstone. I... We'd only lived in Atlanta for three years at the time. I'm like, that's a Southern preacher, right? That's what you expect down in the South. Uh, you never see that kind of fire uh, in the Catholic Church. I, I thought it was great. So then a month later, Malone announces he's retiring. <laughs> so uh, he had that real long retirement window. Uh, so we thought, okay, well, we like RMC. We'll visit, and we'll see what the new guy is um, before we make a decision on whether we're going to join the church. So Mike Long came here in July of 2001. And I still remember his first sermon. Um, you know, he, he talked about, one, how much money he and Terry made, which was, I think, $165,000 between them at the time. 
which kind of explains why it took so long to get to Paris, I guess. So, but the point was that they were tithers. So here, I'm, we make this as a family, and we're tithers. Um, he talked about uh, it's called a mission, a ministry. When he was in Philippines, uh, he talked about his illnesses, uh, and I just, I just liked Mike right away. He was really corporate, uh, and this heart for missions it really resonated with me. Um, so we we were regular attenders, kind of this period 2000 to 2003, and uh, we weren't too involved in the church, though. We were just coming to worship. I mean, you recall back then, the Sunday schedule was different. There was a dedicated Sunday school hour between the two traditional services. And so we would come, put the kids into nursery, go to worship, and kind of go home. Um, no small groups. Uh, and the... Uh, it's funny because we kind of forgot that we weren't ever really part of it, never really joined the church. We were getting mailed the envelopes for giving. So we're like, we must be in. They got our address, right? But, so, um, but kind of in 2003, a couple of crystallizing events really spurred us to be more, uh, more and more involved. I had a couple of people that, uh, close to me, uh, die. I mean, I'm about 35 years old. One day at work, my treasure, um, woke up that morning and he, uh, was disoriented in the shower and he goes to the hospital. And they do a CAT scan, and he's got an apple-sized tumor in his brain. He lapses into a coma that afternoon and dies the next day. I mean, just gone. Um, worse than that, uh, another guy worked with my my squash partner at work. Uh, we'd go over at lunchtime and play squash. Uh, he was 47 at the time. Uh, he died of a heart attack at my feet one day down at Peachtree Center Athletic Club. So, uh, And then third, my business mentor, uh, a guy named Wes Vance, uh, who... I worked for up in Indiana for years. He encouraged me to go back and get my MBA, supported me through all that. Uh, he died when he he was piloting the small airplane, um, crashed over in North Carolina. So these three guys die and starts, you know, getting me thinking about my my own purpose, what am I doing with my life. And uh, so I thought, how am I going to honor these gentlemen? And I thought about this, uh, my boss, the guy who got, sent me off to get my MBA and like it. He'd been a Mormon. Uh, he had done his Mormon mission the two years out of college uh, down in Mexico. And Mexico was a focus of RUMC at the time. We had that partnership with Pastor Valley down at Nuevo Laredo. We were signing up mission trips. So I said, that's how I'm going to honor him. I'm going to go down to Mexico. So I tell my militant Catholic mom, hey, I'm going to Mexico. She's like, Mexico? Mexico? Mexico is 90% Catholic. I'm like, yeah, mom, don't worry. I'm not up there saving the other 10%. You know? so, um, but... This trip in 2003 really was amazing. I had some great people on it. Uh, Chris Liner uh, was on it. Julie Ellington, who later went to Africa for eight years. Uh, Sarah and Keith Henry were on that team. And uh, Chris Liner and I were kind of hip to hip uh, that whole week. We're down in Nuevo Laredo, 104 degree temperatures in July. He and I were working uh, shoulder to shoulder building the fellowship hall. Um, and so Chris had a lot of in-my-ear time. Chris was raised Catholic. Uh, Chris talked about Bicoda and how wonderful his Sunday school class is and how much that has made a difference in his faith walk, having those spiritual brothers uh, to bond with. And it was really encouraging. You know, when you get back, you got to go find a, a Sunday school class. I remember the last day of that mission trip was Father's Day, Father's Day of 2003, and Pastor Valley had this really inspirational message. He said, it's the role of the father to create the presence of God in the home. That really struck with, struck me in terms of returning back here to Roswell, uh, my obligation to my then two kids, to my wife, the presence of God in the home. So here we are now, fall of 2003, and Mike Long, Mike Long decides we're going to change the worship structure. I mean, I, uh, for you, those of you around here, you remember it. I mean, it was a really big step to add that contemporary service. And uh, 
I mean, it was controversial back then, right? The blasphemy of a t- contemporary service. Um, uh, and I still remember the words Mike used. He said, look, we're going to lose a whole generation of kids that like that contemporary Christian music if we don't make this change now. And that resonated with me because my kids weren't raised in the church. They didn't have an appreciation for the hymns. I wasn't raised in the church. I didn't have appreciation for the hymns. I like the contemporary Christian music. Uh, so, you know, I think he was right. Um, and it reminds me a little bit about what we're trying to do now uh, with Eric in terms of that new service. Um, and so I think back, oh, 11 years ago it worked out real well. I'm having faith that this is going to work out as well uh, for, the, for the church in this community as well. Um, but what that schedule also did, the change, is that we created that, uh, we moved the Sunday school hour to be kind of coterminous with worship. And so now you could do, kind of encourage you to spend the whole morning on the campus, right? You could do worship and then Sunday school or vice versa. And so we decided, okay, this is the time to go find a, a Sunday school class. And so we went out, there's this WW Internet thing. Um, we went out to REMC.com, figured it out. Okay, what's our target demographic? Where are we going to go? I quickly figured out it wasn't CUC. So, it turns out it was going to be either New Horizons or Builders. So uh, flipped a coin, went to Builders for the first day. And uh, that first day, we're talking a lot now about this hospitality uh, and being forthcoming or being uh, really warm and welcoming. The first person I met that first day at Builders is James Stickles. Couldn't run into a better guy. Uh, and... Uh, I mean, he really is kind of the role model for this hospitality. This is back in 03, so you're ahead of your times, James. Uh, I still have a man crush on James. He, he said to me, you know, one of the best days in your life was one of the worst days of my life. And, uh, cause James went to Syracuse and I went to Indiana. So in 1987 on uh, March 30th, when we won the national championship game in basketball, 74-73, cause Derek Cole missed the front end of a one-on-one. That was James crying in a soup and, and me celebrating. But just imagine if we'd gone to New Horizons that day. And I met Paul Sliger for the first time, right? Then I'd be a problem child of New Horizons right now. So, so you builders guys, you can blame James, uh, for why you're stuck with me. Um, but you can kind of see the chain at work here. You know, Chris Liner encourages me. Uh, James Stickles invites me and gets me more involved. Uh, and, uh, a lot of the builders guys are sitting here. It's, it's a great, wonderful Sunday school class. It's about 40 families. Um, they started about 20 years ago. So I guess we've been members now about 11 years. So when they started, they were all kind of in their late twenties and now we're thirties. A lot of us in our forties, some of us in our fifties. Um, and, and, uh, but over that 20 years, I think we probably had a hundred families come through the class. And in that hundred families, I think we've had three divorces. So, you know, our record's 97 and three. Uh, it's, it's good for marriages. It really is good for marriages. Um, our favorite class project, uh, year in, year out was the field day. Um, we provided the lunch, did the prep, uh, for the, for field day for all the participants and the volunteers. And now that we're getting older, uh, I think we've handed it off to foundations, yeah, the last couple of years. So that those young whippersnappers, uh, take care of that. But, the builders have a really generous heart. When we were younger, the women had this thing called casserole caravan, where they would, if you had a birth in the family or illness or a death, they'd cover your meals for the week. You know, and it was such a nice, nice relief. I mean, uh, our, the women in our class are, are amazing. They, they love God. Uh, they love their husbands, their kids. Uh, they're, they're prayer warriors. I mean, they're really strong, strong uh, women of faith. Uh, the men are a big inspiration to me because... You know, they go, they have the same challenges I do. And so to have brothers that are facing those same things, uh, those same, whether it be, you know, 
faith questions, work questions, wife relationship questions. They go through it. If you have someone to bounce things off of, um, it's helpful for me. One of those guys in our builders class is Kelly Myrick. Um, Kelly, uh, I call him the class theologian. He's done walk to Emmaus and he's done mission trips to Mongolia and Kenya. Um, and starting back in 2004, Kelly was going to Kenya and he came back with these stories of the orphans that he was seeing in the slums of Nairobi and it really kind of touched our heart. You know, we're all raising our kids at the time and, you know, who's raising those kids over there? So we thought, could we be helpful? And so we started sending a little bit of money over there each month for kind of food and provisions and we kind of grew that over the next couple of years. And then in 2007, we took a kind of a big leap of faith as a class. Um, we, uh, we said, you know, let's raise funds and get those kids out of the slums. And uh, we're going to build a new campus for them on the outskirts of Nairobi. And so this new campus eventually became uh, known as the Mercer Redeemer's Children Home. And I want to tell you the story about how it all came together, because um, it was God who brought it all together. I mean, a really, really blessed endeavor. Um, so the builders decided they were going to raise $100,000. Uh, that would be the starting point. And that would build the school and a kitchen and, and a, um, a supervisor home. Uh, and still that number is staggering to me because here we are. We've got private school tuition. We've got retirement we're saving for. We've got mortgages and things like that. And uh, uh, the good news is that we started this effort in early, late 2007 uh, before the financial meltdown in the fall of 2008. Um, Again, another angel gets delivered. So, Darren Marcuse. Now, you'll be uh, surprised to hear the word dingo and angel in the same sentence, but I gotta tell you about Darren. <laughs> Darren, uh, this, it wouldn't have got done without Darren. You can say about this, it wouldn't have got done, and there's sort of a lot of names here, but Darren was trying to make President's Club that year at work. And so, he went to the, his boss and said, look, if I make President's Club, instead of the his and her Rolexes that you give to the winners of the President's Club, would you guys be willing to cut a check for this Kenya orphanage project my Sunday school class is doing? And they said, yeah, yeah, we'll be willing to do that. They ended up writing a check for $25,000. So picture this. It's President's Club weekend right there in some exclusive island down the Caribbean, Nevis. I don't even never heard of it. It's that exclusive. And so, you know, the Saturday night, the big party with the dinner and the celebration, and they get the five couples up there that won President's Club and call it the first four, get up there, and they make this nice presentation to the couples, the wife up there, the his and her Rolexes. And then they call Darren and Kelly Marcuse forward and say, you know, instead of Rolexes, the Marcuse's have elected to have us make a donation to an orphanage that's getting built in uh, Kenya. And so everyone's, you know, jaw drops. Like, those other four couples are like, you know, thanks, jerk. You know? <laughs> <laughs> feel about that tall, right? <laughs> so... But that sacrifice, so if you see Darren on campus and he's a little lost, doesn't know what time it is, it's because he didn't have a wristwatch, <laughs> help him out, you know. Um, so one angel in this project. Um, second angel, someone donated 10 acres of land out in the outskirts of Nairobi. Um, uh, so that was the second part of it. This land was great, had a beautiful view, secluded, it didn't have water. So now we're thinking about, oh, it's going to cost us extra to build because we're going to have to bring in water to make the mortar, you know, with this mixing with the cement. Then what are the kids going to do afterwards? Well, that's when uh, another angel uh, appears. So February of 2008, we're doing GIC. And uh, Rusty, you'll remember the Thursday night over at Great Oaks, you were leading the dinner. And Rick Page is sitting by himself at a table in the back of the room. I had to work late that night. I don't know who Rick Page was. I had to work late that night. I come in late. I'm just going to plop in, sit down, and, and see the show that Rusty's running. 
And uh, Rick talks to me, says, you know, what's your name? I'm Mike Peachy. He, you know, somehow it came up that I was in Builders. He goes, oh, Builders, you guys are doing that project over in Kenya, aren't you? I go, yeah, we're, we're trying to get the money. We don't know if it's all going to come together. We just ran into a roadblock. We don't have water. And uh, he goes, well, you know, I really would like to make a directed gift in this GIC thing. And, uh, and I'll support GIC, but I think I'd like to support you guys, too. I go, well, we need $30,000 for a well because we got drilled down 200 yards. And uh, that's, you know, what one of the Rick's great blessings. It was great at giving away money. Um, and so, boom, we had our $30,000 to build the well so these kids could have water. And I mean, that well is amazing today. Not only is it now feed the kids and or, you know, um, provide water to the kids uh, here six years later, they use that water then also for crops, the crops that they grow and go sell in the market. So just a, just a great gift. The final part of the, the puzzle in terms of this orphanage was um, who's going to build the dormitories, 50 student dormitories, one man, uh, one boy, one girl. And that's when um, a group called Heart for Africa stepped in. And Janine and Ian Maxwell uh, run Heart for Africa. It's up in um, off of Birmingham Highway. It's really, they live really close to uh, Rick and Pam Page's old place. Um, and Janine Maxwell had written a book. You know, it's funny, today's 9-11. Janine Maxwell got trapped in New York City on 9-11. Lily had to walk across the bridge to New Jersey to get home to Canada. And she realized that day in panic of, where's my family? Am I going to be okay? I need to do something different with my life. She sold her marketing company and started this Heart for Africa, and they've been building orphanages and uh, saving kids across the continent uh, for, the, for the last 15 years, I guess. Um, so but by summer of 2008, the partners had come together, the thing was built, and so it was time to go see what we had. And um, so that Kenya mission trip in 2008, uh, my 16-year-old daughter, Kayla, uh, got to go with us, Pam and Rick Page, Beth uh, Casey, Sally Gresham, John Bender, Emily McDonald, Meg McClung. Um, you know, it was a great trip. Um, the group left Rick and myself uh, alone for two days. We were going to teach micro-business enterprise. So some of the GIC funds were going to be loans to um, entrepreneurs in Kenya to help them get businesses started. This is like $500 average loan. But we're going to teach them business principles so they would know what to do with the money. So Rick and I were meant to, to we were going to be the instructors for that. They leave us at this Catholic retreat center up uh, right on the equator. And uh, it was a great Catholic retreat center. I could go to Mass every morning at 6 a.m. Um, and on alternating days, the Mass was in Latin. So um, I finally got to use that Latin from high school, you know. Uh, but it was... Uh, it was really <laughs> Rick Page teaching. We, you know, you can imagine he had a screen with the PowerPoint up there, and Rick Page's humility. I get paid ten thousand dollars a day to teach this back in the states, but I'm giving it to you all for free. <laughs> <laughs> it was a rough, rough trip, though. We were in rural areas, bumpy roads, and uh, uh, at the end of the trip, we're kind of discussing. We're in the van discussing the movie Out of Africa. And someone asked Rick, what do you think about Africa? He goes, I'm in favor of it. <laughs> he was ready to go home. He had served the Lord, done his duty. So, But for the builders, we learned you know, a couple great lessons from this project. Uh, one was one person can make a difference, right? Kelly Myrick went over there, saw what was happening, came back, built the groundswell of support that led to this. Um, second was God will provide. We couldn't have done it on our own. God provided the partners, whether it be Rick Page, Heart for Africa, the land. Um, another lesson, don't wait, don't delay. We did our fundraising at year-end 07, early 08, before the financial meltdown in the fall of uh, September of 08. I mean, I just think if we would have waited, it would have been a lot harder to raise the funds. And now that I get older, I think about, you know, 
the sense of urgency, right? You don't know, each of us don't know, right? Are we in halftime of our lives? Are we at the two-minute warning? Do it now while you can. So for our class, I'm glad we did that together while we had the opportunity. And the fourth uh, lesson, just think about God's plan is perfect. We didn't understand how it was going to happen, how he was going to make it happen, but he did. And I think about Philippians 4.13 in terms of we can do all things in Christ who strengthens us. Um, in 2008, I was able to return to Kenya uh, with my daughter Kayla again and uh, work on the new Divine Providence property. I mean, if you think about that 08 trip, it really was the seeds for um, Divine Providence. Sally, uh, Beth, John were trying to figure out something they could do, and they saw the, these, you know, these builders. Well, those young punks can do this. We can do this. So they went off and uh, did Divine Providence. Um, I mean, Mike Long, I think that's his lasting legacy here uh, at REMC. The youth have been going on missions for years before Mike got here. I think Mike, though, really spurred the adults to catch up to the youth. Um, and I would say the adults, you know, now exceed the youth uh, in terms of traveling. And I like the variety of mission opportunities, whether you want to serve in Roswell, whether you want to serve in the southeast. Builders, we all went down to Katrina uh, in 2006, uh, six, seven, and 8. Um, you want to serve in the country of the world. There's lots of opportunities. In 2011, I was supposed to go uh, on an all-builders trip to Kenya. So it was going to be my third trip to Kenya. But work got in the way, and I ended up canceling at the last second, um, literally four days before I left. Uh, and, man, I regret that, that I canceled. Uh, one, felt like I wasn't being obedient uh, to God, but I can't tell you how much I regret that. You see took me a long time to reach my corporate goal, which was to be a CFO of a public company. Um, I'd been controller for four different companies over eight-year period. Um, I'd watched my peers and contemporaries kind of get their shot at their CFO job, and I was wondering if I was going to ever get my uh, my opportunity. I had a lot of CFO interviews, never a CFO um, offer. One of my favorite books in the Bible, though, is Nehemiah. And uh, Andy Stanley has, I know Tim and I listen to Andy Stanley a lot, has a great sermon on Nehemiah. And it's, I'm doing a great work, I cannot come down. Um, it's Nehemiah 6.2, and it's talking about, uh, Nehemiah was rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem, and Sambal was trying to distract him so he could kill him, because he knew if the wall got done, it would be harder to take over Jerusalem. And, and Nehemiah just kept putting him off, saying, I'm focused on this wall, I won't be distracted. And... Um, and that lesson is really important. My wife's great at that. Um, the, uh, I mean, sure, for her, that one thing is raising our kids. She does not get distracted. She has a small handful of friends because her focus is those four kids and raising those kids to be God-loving. Um, she keeps a quote from Jackie Kennedy on her desk at home, and it reads, If you bungle raising your children, I don't think whatever else you do well matters very much. So she's got her focus on that. Um, for me... I think Tony Dungy Python summarized best kind of the lessons out of Nehemiah um, that he took from Nehemiah totally applied to me as well. One is opportunity come in, comes in God's time. Tony Dungy talked about having multiple interviews for head coaching jobs in the NFL and getting passed over and passed over and passed over before Tampa finally took a, took a risk on him. Very similar to what I went through in terms of trying to get from controller up to CFO. Second, Nehemiah diligently prepared his mind and heart so he would be ready when God's time arrived, you think about head, NFL head coaches, you get those jobs because the guy went one in 14 or one in 15 the year before you, right? CFO, kind of same thing. Something's not going right. That's why they're bringing in a new guy. So you got to be ready in terms of, of, uh, of being full, of, of being ready and being prepared. And then third, and being willing to take on the challenges and the problems. So 
I'm CFO for five years at Converge, and uh, but over that period, you know, shame on me, I started to get my identity more from kind of that public company CFO role um, and the trappings of, of that, rather than getting my identity from my relationship with Christ. And while I was there, about four years into it, the board of directors had uh, fired the CEO that had hired me and brought in a new guy. And uh, I'm button heads with this new guy for about nine months. And then finally, kind of out of the blue, he just outright fires me. Just cut off at the stump, no ripping up of the roots, you know. Big tree fall hard. It was, uh, you know, really, really sudden. And uh, But this CEO was a particularly vicious man. You know, it wasn't enough just to fire me. Um, he, had, he accused me of wrongdoing. And uh, he tried to get the SEC to investigate me. Uh, and his allegation was is that I was running an insider trading ring with my builder's Sunday school classmates. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, you're wondering where your share of the profits are. It all, it all went to Kenya. Actually, <laughs> that uh, obviously I kid. They uh, this is taped, right? Um, remember the canceled Kenya trip that you know four days before I canceled. He used that as justification to get rid of me. Um, and needless to say, the builders were not running an insider trading ring, although you never can be too sure about that Meg McClung. Uh, so the, uh, but when I, you know, I got fired, I thought, man, I'm kind of in a lot of trouble here. I gotta, I need to hire a lawyer or, and I really thought my career was in jeopardy. I mean, what am I going to do? And, uh, I apologized to Amanda. I said, Hey, I'm really sorry about the bad spot that CEO put us in. And, uh, she said, I'm not mad. I've been telling you to leave for six months. And I know you did nothing wrong. And so, I mean, that kind of support at that critical moment, you know, is, is, a, is a real blessing, right? Um, I mean, at that point, kind of a calm came over me in terms of uh, I had faith in my outcome. I had faith in God was watching over me. Even though I couldn't understand how this was part of the plan, I know I could get through it. Um, and so, you know, I thank Amanda immensely that we've been married 24 years we started dating 31 years ago. So uh, two-thirds of my life I've been with Amanda. Um, and that moment when she stepped up to reassure me, uh, well, it's special. It's one of the top five moments in our, or our relationship in our marriage. My big learning from all of this in terms of, well, my big learning besides don't work for despicable, insecure, no success, shallow little people. <laughs> Is it, judging? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, yeah, exactly. Is if, you know, if I had gotten and was getting my identity through my relationship with Christ, that's something no one can take away from me. So, um, after getting fired, uh, uh, I took a job out in Arizona for two years um, to get away from the heat of Atlanta. It's kind of a double entendre, right? The heat of Converge and the heat of, the, of Atlanta. Amanda's like, you realize Arizona's a lot hotter. I'm like... Really? It's a dry heat, I thought. She was, you are the dumbest smart guy I know. That's what she always says about me. So, we found a church out there in Scottsdale that we really liked. Uh, Scottsdale Bible Church, about the same size as REMC. Um, kind of across between North Point and, uh, Perimeter Church here. Um, and, uh, but we went to eight churches out there trying to find a church home. Uh, five different Methodist churches. And, uh, so this hospitality initiative that Mike's talking about that he got to see, uh, over in, uh, at Hillsong. I mean, it matters. It, it, we saw a wide range of hospitality models. Guess who had the best model? Scottsdale Bible Church, where we ended up. So, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm eager to see how we start to roll that out here uh, at RUMC. I loved it in Scottsdale. I thought I was going to retire out there. Um, but Atlanta was calling us back. Uh, our 
college kids were on this side of the Mississippi. Our aging parents were up in Indiana, uh, needing more attention. Uh, we missed RMC. We missed our friends here. So we came back, uh, about a year ago. One of the people I missed out in Arizona was my buddy, uh, Dan Pfeffer. Dan's here, uh, uh on the left. And, uh, Dan and I have known each other for 10 years. I took a job, one of those 11 jobs. I went to work at Dan's company and, and, uh, we worked in the same department. And, uh, Dan attends Fellowship Bible Church. He sings in the praise, uh, band there, praise choir. Uh, he's got a great voice. He actually also sings here at RMC in the Michael O'Neill Singers. So he's part of all those concerts. And it's the 10 years that we've been together, uh, our relationship has grown. His son, nine years ago, was injured really badly in an automobile accident, suffered a traumatic brain injury. And uh, same injuries, really, that my brother had suffered 25 years earlier in a motorcycle accident. So we kind of had that common bond. Um, Dan followed me when I went to Converge. So he was there the, the whole five and a half years that I was in Converge. He prayed for me when things were good at Converge. He prayed for me when things were bad at Converge. He prayed for me when things were bad after Converge. And he came out to see me in Arizona uh, when I was in exile out there. I mean, you think about it. Moses was 40 years in the desert, never got out. It only took me two years, and I got out. So I feel like I'm ahead of the game. But Dan's the big brother I never had. I was the oldest child. I'm the oldest of 42 uh, cousins, a uh, huge family. And my, mom, my mom's one of 15. Uh, and he's the big brother I never had. Uh, and so to have you know someone like Dan in my life uh, means a lot. The uh, When we were at Converge, Dan and this other guy decided they were going to start um, kind of a a weekly sermon thing uh, called Life Lessons at Lunch. It's an Andy Stanley um, DVD series that they make available to you. You invite people in to eat their lunch while they're watching the DVDs and hear the message. And uh, uh, Dan got it all organized with this other guy, and he kind of fought the haters. You know, people are like, well, why are, we, why are we allowing the company assets to be used, meaning a conference room, for this Christian message? And um, he fed the seekers, right? He Dan and this other guy bought lunch for these people every Every week they were running the DVD series. Uh, and so just a great inspiration to me in terms of serving others, bringing Christ into the workplace, giving witness. Um, so Dan is also the guy that went to solely business before I did. Um, and it was actually a guy that Dan and I worked with at Converge called Ed Mishka, who uh, goes to North Pole. And he invited us to attend this thing called Solely Business. It's a, it's a men's uh, weekend retreat up in Cleveland, Georgia. And I've been twice... Uh, it's one of the most impactful things I've done in my spiritual life. Um, it's a wonderful weekend where you're just still and you let the Lord speak to you. You hear other men speak about their challenges and their brokenness and their past failures and their spiritual triumphs. Um, I mean, if you're looking for a little kickstart, they run this program four times a year. If you're looking at a kickstart in terms of getting that fire ignited and going again, this might be a nice event to go attend. Um, for me, I feel like I kind of need it every once a year. Uh, like a service uh, service call on your car. Um, so I'm on the email distribution list. I can connect you to the Solely Business website at solelybusiness.org. Um, but from what I understand, people talk that have been to both Walk to Emmaus and Solely Business. They kind of call Solely Business Walk to Emmaus Light. So, but here's some of the things we focus on at Solely Business. Um, and you spend a weekend serving others, serving others so they know that their lives matter, um, creating a Christ-like identity. Um, getting your significance through your relationship with God, being humble, submitting to the Lord, surrender, uh, breaking your breaking the pride in you, right? As men, and that's something we all struggle with. Um, at the most recent solely business, uh, I met a guy named Wesley Vaughn. Wesley Vaughn's roughly my age. Um, I think he's 46. And three years ago, he had a lemon-sized brain tumor wrapped around his optic nerve. 
And so either through surgery or chemo, somehow he lost his optic nerve. He's blind. So here he is, married, three young kids, 45, 46 years old, and disabled. And uh, he got up and he's part of this men's group over in uh, Gwinnett called Dugout Group. I'd heard of it before. And he got up and sang a song. And uh, so I was a little bit nervous today, right? Who wants to follow Mike Miller? When I walk in here today, what's playing on the uh, uh, on Tim's iPod over the sound system is the song Redeemed by Big Daddy Weave. Big Daddy Weave was here on campus. You remember they opened for Mark Schultz six, seven years ago. Big Daddy, uh, and so I hear this song Redeemed. I just know uh, new things are going to be okay this morning. So I want to read the first verse of this song Redeemed. Seems like all I could do was see the struggle, haunted by ghosts that lived in my past. Bound up in shackles of all of my failures, wondering how long is this going to last. Then you look at this prisoner and say to me, son, stop fighting the fight that's already been won. I am redeemed. You set me free. So I'll take off these heavy chains, wipe away every stain. Now I'm not who I used to be. I am redeemed. God redeemed. Solely business definitely helped me recalibrate and get me realigned uh, again my identity uh, through my relationship with Christ. I mean, my purpose, I feel, is just simply to glorify the Lord. Uh, and we have to be careful we don't let life's pursuits get in the way of that, um, no matter how important they may seem to be, like trying to be CFO of a public company, because um, it can lose, help cause us to lose sight of our purpose. Uh, I'm a CFO, but the glory, the good I can do to glorify God along the way is really my purpose. And I want people to be able to see that path to eternal life through Christ, uh, to enjoy abundant life now, to fulfill their God-given purpose here. I mean, we're all role models to someone in this church, someone in this community, someone at work. And uh, you have that chance to make that impact on them. For me, it's people like Chris Liner and James Stickles and Kelly Myrick and Darren Marcuse and Rick Page and Dan Pfeffer. I mean, I'm a blessed guy. You ask me, you know, what's my, what are my prized possessions? Pfeffer knows it's my relationships. My relationships. My relationship with my Heavenly Father. My relationship with my wife and my kids. My relationship with my parents and my sister, my friends. Pfeffer says, man, you're the best at friend ma- friendship maintenance of anyone I've ever met. It's my relationships. You ask me what I'm happiest about, it's that I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. I'm saved. My wife is saved. My four kids are saved. My parents are saved. My sister's saved. All my in-laws, we're all saved. Those orphans in Kenya, they have an opportunity to be saved because the work our class did together. Um, so, I mean, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. I, I want to wrap up today and give you kind of a discussion topic because I really enjoy when we have time at the end of the sessions to kind of talk along the table and it's really about that one thing that you need to focus on right now um, and um, you know and that one thing is different for all of us right you think about the movie city slickers that one thing is different for all of us and it it changes as we move through life you know right now it might be helping a, a, a grandkid out it might be dealing with something that's on the internet that we shouldn't be dealing that we shouldn't be focused on it might be drugs or alcohol. Um, it might be a relationship that needs repairing. So um, it might be dealing with a tough challenge at work. So what's that one thing for you all that you need to be working on? And I'd offer, and I'd encourage you, uh, the other brothers at the table, to offer encouragement and support in helping give you that extra oomph to deal with that one thing. You're uh, you're doing a great work. You cannot come down. So. Thanks for having me today. Uh, I'm blessed to be a part of this group. Tim, your leadership's been amazing. Uh, and uh, look forward to next week, next month when it's Jay Litton. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks.